Welcome to another edition of the Crypto Writer podcast and videocast with me, Gillian Gotzel. Today is my guest, Alex Mashinsky, the CEO and co-founder, or founder, sorry, of Celsius. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm going to call you. You're actually the savior of COVID. I, I, I was just thinking, this man invented VoIP. If we didn't have VoIP, how on earth would we all survive during the lockdown? Yeah, it's definitely uh, um, the use of uh, video and voice over IP exploded as we all were locked down and, and uh, the internet as a whole was struggling managing all of us talking to each other on video. So definitely um, we're lucky it happened in 2020 and not in 2010 or, or, two, uh, or, or 2000 because the internet infrastructure was definitely not ready for billions of people talking to each other. No, but that was even a question of mine going back to before I kind of cottoned on that, my goodness, you've actually saved the world, really, you kept us all sane. But even when you were looking at the VoIP solution, right, and you're going up against the big AT&Ts and the big, um, you know, the big telecoms companies, and you wanted it to be free, did you think it would be fast enough? I mean, obviously, did you have a vision of how it could become? I mean, did you realize that you could be so important in COVID? Well, it's definitely um, when when we created Voice of RP, the entire internet ran on the phone network. And I remember, like for example, coming to the UK and talking to British Telecom and Cable and Wireless, and they just looked at me like I was crazy. Like they did, they were like, "You don't." They told me that I don't understand that the entire internet runs on the phone network. And I was like, "No, you guys don't understand it. The entire phone network is just going to be an application on the internet." So, so, so it was definitely, um, you know, hard for a lot of people to project themselves into the future and understand how big and how fast uh, this network uh, could become. And now we're going through a similar transformation with cryptocurrencies, where basically we think that money is this thing that happens in banks and whatever. And I'm like, no, no, you don't understand. You know, all of money is going to move to this thing called blockchain. And, and most people look at me and say, no, it's just a toy for geeks and for people who, are, who have nothing better to do than to trade cryptocurrencies. So, so we're going, we, it's seeing the same movie again. You know, I'm yes. just a little bit older than last time. So. Oh, we're all doing that. Well, what's the alternative? <laughs> um, so with the banks, get onto the cryptocurrency and the banks. I mean, you're, you're quite frequently quoted as saying banks don't do a good job. They are going to be instrumental in the adoption, the mass adoption, because they do such a bad job. And basically, if you're an abusive marriage, get out. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so uh, look... Uh, the banks originally, many banks started as a community banks, as, as trust companies that were basically focused on uh, their local um, constituency, right? And, and they really intended to help you and me transact, uh, buy a home, uh, grow a business, uh, take a loan, earn some interest. And today's bank have nothing to do with that, right? I mean, today's banks are multinational global institutions who could care less about you as an individual. There's really no connection between you and the bank. And, and their job is to extract profit, extract as much as possible out of you because they have to deliver it, deliver that money as earnings to their shareholders. Mm -hmm. So every quarter, the CEOs of these two big to fail banks are just thinking as hard as they can, what are the fees? What else can I charge? What can I pay even less on 
so I can deliver even more profit to my shareholders. So, so what we've seen is that the interest they pay us kind of go down from seven or 8%. Now it's 0.1%. In some countries it's negative, like in Austria and Switzerland and other countries, you have to pay in Germany, you have to pay the bank to store your money, which is crazy. I mean, for me, it's just a crazy idea. So, so what we created at Celsius was this non-bank institution that paid you real interest. Like we pay 10, 10% a year on your dollars where the average bank pays 0.1%. That's a hundred times more. So yeah. that just shows you how much these people steal from us every day. We just decided to accept it and take it for granted and say, well, there's no better solutions. So we're just going to stick with this. We're, we're fine with paying, you know, $20 a month for the checking account and paying $3 every time we need cash out of the ATM machine, pay no activity fee. What a crazy fee is that? No activity fee, mm. you know? So all these crazy fees are things that we should rebel against. Again, this reminds me of uh, the phone companies charging us uh, $3 a minute to talk to, to our loved ones. I mean, it's just lunacy, right? Yeah. Here we are doing it for free, me and you, you know? Well, I, I think what's interesting is that what you say is very true and very valid, obviously, that banks originally, they served a purpose and they still do in some ways in terms of credit. I can't buy a house without a bank typically because I don't have enough money behind the back of the sofa. So, you know, that extension of credit and also the appliance, apply, applying of interest makes sense. But you're right, it's all down. It's not, the people are no longer the people anymore. It's the money and it's the bottom the bottom line and it's the dollar, the race to the bottom and the stakeholders, the shareholders, they get the profits and nobody else. So when you first heard about Bitcoin, I've read also that you kind of went, yeah, good idea, it won't catch on. You know, it's like the Beatles. Yeah, they're, they're okay, they'll never catch on. <laughs> so, so- Well, it was worse, it was worse than that. I said, actually, I was, uh, I said that uh, it is wasting so much electricity and computing power and communications because the network has thousands of nodes that, and it's creating the world's slowest database. So, you know, my entire career, my 35 year career in tech was about building faster, cheaper and better. And, you know, like I launched, for example, was as part of Novotel Wireless launched uh, the first 5G device, commercial device in the United States, right? Uh, and, and so on. So, so looking at something that was slower more expensive and required even more, again, computing and electricity was like, this will never work. You know, like it wasn't <laughs> like, I was definitely against it. Uh, and it took me several years to really change my what, thinking. What, what changed I, you? What, what changed your thinking? Well, I had to reprogram my, my thinking about the use case of why this is so important. Why mm -hmm. is uh, a solving the double spend issue, right? Mm. Satoshi really solved the double spend issue. Like, yeah. How do I send you, uh, Julian, like whatever, $20 and you have it and I don't have it anymore. Because in the digital world, if I my cat did something amazing and I recorded it and I send you that video, I have the a copy and you have a copy and either one could be considered an original, right? Yeah. So, so, so it's very hard to send money over the internet where we can actually account and verify who has it now and who doesn't have it anymore. So, so even though we have, I don't know, 70 years of computing, no one has solved the double spend problem. And, and I've worked on it myself and I couldn't solve it. So, so it wasn't a little problem, it was a big problem, but here it was solved with so much overhead and so much complexity behind it or inefficiency, I should say, uh, that, that I just looked at it and I said, 
not good enough, right? And obviously I was wrong. So today, uh, a trillion and a half dollars worth of value is locked in this system. And, and obviously uh, it's becoming a, a foundation for a lot of financial transactions that we're doing all over the world. So it's definitely have proven almost everybody wrong. And, yes. and, 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 and there's a mass migration now from the traditional finance world to this new finance. Now, again, I always say that it's not that Bitcoin is so great. It's that the central banks and the financial institutions have abused the relationship with us, the consumers, so badly that enough people are willing to switch over and say, I'm never working with this bank. I'm not storing my, my wealth with this bank. I don't trust the central bank. They're printing money and debasing our currency and so on. So those are the drivers. Bitcoin is the answer. It's not the reason why these things are happening. Hmm. And interestingly enough, you are very much um, a lot of people who are in this space, sort of not my, you know, not my or it's, it's, it's my keys, not it's my not your bank, it's my bank. I got all mixed up, whatever. But it's um, not your keys, not your coins. Yes. That's your ones. <laughs> I'm obviously not of the proper anarchistic type, but you're not that person or at least you're not catering for that person. And moreover, so it's two things. One is you're catering for the ordinary person, even with a very small amount of digital currency, but also you're actually fully in, involved with the SEC and regulation. You're kind of going, you know what, guys, it's not that hard to do it by the books. Tell me a bit about that. Sure, yeah, it's a great question. So, so the, the, the crypto uh, fan club or the crypto clan is a very small club. And, and, and so if you look after, you know, now Bitcoin is now 12 years old, but you look at the first 10 years and only several million people in the world out of 7.8 billion, only several million people have chosen to uh, buy Bitcoin or store it and keep the keys and manage the keys and so on. So when, when I asked myself, okay, what, when, when we did voice of IP, in, in two years, we had like 500 million users, right? Because it was easy. Like uh, if I wanted to talk to you, I said to you, look, stop using uh, British Telecom or AT&T, download this Skype thing or WhatsApp or whatever, and let's talk over that, right? Let's not pay these phone companies any money for talking to each other. So, so the adoption was very quick, right? Com compared to what's happening with money. Now, I understand money is a much higher level of trust that you must have with the provider. Uh, but managing your own keys has proven to be a very small set of the population that can do that consistently without losing the keys or be, without being hacked or without uh, basically losing uh, their money, right? Mm -hmm. So, so we, by definition, we excluded 99% of the population. So when I, when I decided to focus on crypto, I, I wanted to uh, solve that problem for the 99%. There was no need for me to come and help people who hold their keys. It's great. If you, if you know how to manage your own keys and you manage your own wallet and you're doing everything yourself, excellent. You are an OG, what we call an OG, mm. an original gangster, and you know what to do and you don't really need our help. But the vast majority of the population uh, needs that help. And voice of IP, look, in the beginning, you had to put a TCP IP address and you, need to, you had to do all of the stuff which is kind of similar to not your keys, not your coins, but we all using apps. We click on somebody's image and we talk to them, right? So, yeah. so I am focused on that migration. I'm just not trying to solve the other one. And, and uh, you know, I hope that 
the vast majority of the people on the planet are going to use cryptocurrencies without even knowing that it's running on the blockchain or that it's using this or that technology. So you're making it easier and you're also doing it by the rules because, as I say, it's you're within the system. Well, you're outside the system, but you're, you're, you're not trying to be scaremongery for ordinary people. Well, so, so that's a great point because when you do cryptocurrencies, you can decide that you are... Uh, you know, a rebel or you don't believe in the laws and, and the kind of like the financial uh, regulations and you can do all of that under the radar and pretend to that, you know, you don't have to pay taxes and you don't have to do anything else. And again, you can, we decided that there's no way to bring the vast majority of the population in the world and still be an anarchist, okay? So, so we had four waves of adoption. The first wave was really anarchist. And we ran out of anarchists. The reason Bitcoin didn't grow up is because we ran out of anarchists. And then all the libertarians showed up and we ran out of libertarians <laughs> and we still didn't grow up, right? So, so the third wave was uh, a speculator wave, right? 2017 was all about people saying, guys, it's not about being an anarchist. It's not about libertarians. It is all about making money. We're just gonna come, we're gonna pump it up and we're gonna sell all these coins to the institutions. And, and I've been saying for whatever, five or six years now that no, this is about mass adoption. The people that are going to get us to $300,000 of Bitcoin or a million dollars of Bitcoin is the mass adoption, is hundreds of millions of retail users who are going to want to get a loan or, or uh, you know, have store value or earn interest, all the services that cryptocurrencies provide. So. So we said, okay, to do that, we must follow all regulation. We must be compliant in every market. We must work with the tax authorities, with the FinCEN authorities, with the FinTech authorities, right? The regulators. And that's much, much more complicated and harder than pretending like none of the rules apply to you. So, so we proven now for almost four years that there is a way to provide all these services and be fully compliant, which was really not the case or not what people traditionally thought about cryptocurrencies. They thought that you had to make a choice between the two. And by definition, uh, you, you were risking getting in trouble because you were basically hiding from the authorities. Do you have in, in excess of 10 billion now in assets? Yeah, we just crossed 13 billion. 13? So we, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm old yes. news here. And a lot of your people who you, you, you say it's a service that's sort of built by hodlers for hodlers. Yes. So explain that a bit. So, so we are not like if you trade every day and you, you jump from one asset to another and you whatever you do farming on DeFi, all those things. That's not really who we're trying to help. Our, our focus is on hodlers or people who hold on to dear life. And, and that, is, that is an expression for people who believe long-term in the assets. So they buy Bitcoin today and they think it's a great store of value and they don't want to sell. They're not looking to sell it. They're not looking to trade it. They're not looking to swap it. So we provide two services. One is we're one of the safest places to hold the asset. And the second one is you can do all these financial services inside the Celsius app. You can take a loan, you can earn interest, right? You can basically... Uh, um, um, do a huddle, right? You can mm. hold on to the asset and it benefit from all the appreciation. You're never going to lose any of it. We don't charge any fees or anything like that. So you get all the benefits, 
but it's not if you want to trade every day. If you want to trade every day, great. Keep your coins on exchanges. Good for you. Pay all those fees. Uh, my experience has been the more I traded, the less coins I ended up with. Mm. So, so, uh, uh, so I think uh, uh, the opportunity here is really to, uh, just like they tell you when you have mutual funds or ETFs, they taste, look, don't try to time the market, be invested, just decide on allocations. We kind of believe in the same, in the same strategy for crypto, for Bitcoin. And are people take the loans they're taking, it's collateralized. So they put in their crypto and then they're able to borrow multiples and pay an interest. Are people well, with it, the right- It's actually, you, you're borrowing up to 50% of the loan value. So we, we represent the community. We have a half a million people who are the users. Yeah. And we're effectively lending you money that the community has given us, right? So if you want dollars and you don't want to sell your Bitcoin, you want to loan against your Bitcoin because mm. you want to pay off an expensive credit card or you want to pay, buy a gift for your children or whatever, you want to pay off a student loan, right? We will lend you money against the assets. So we don't need to check your employment or your credit score or anything else because you already have, you've given up 2X the amount of assets that we're lending you back. And that's why our interest is also very low. So we charge you as low as 1% per year to borrow that money because it's really you're borrowing against your own money. Mm. And are you, because of the, the price of Bitcoin and the coins have gone up so much, are people buying houses now? Are they essentially getting mortgages from you? Well, we don't do mortgages, but we definitely help people pay off expensive loans mm. or pay off credit card bills or pay off uh, anything that is high, uh, that is probably more than five or 6%. You want to take a loan against it and pay it off, right? Because you're effectively saving all of those fees and all of those interest that the banks of the financial institution are charging you and you're using the increase in the value of Bitcoin or Ethereum to pay, pay that off. So it's mm. definitely, and you're deferring taxes at the same time. You don't have to pay tax because you did not sell the Bitcoin. Excellent. And what were you following? Obviously you were following the DeFi, all the excitement of last summer. Did that have any impact on your business? So we, we uh, take credit here for inventing uh, a big chunk of DeFi because Celsius was really the first to offer interest income, right? You go to DeFi for two purposes. One, you want to earn interest or you want to take a loan. Those are the two main purposes. And Celsius has done both uh, before DeFi, before any DeFi company. So we are the, one of the largest participants in the DeFi movement. We are a large borrower. We're also a large provider of assets. Uh, we lend a lot on on DeFi, so so we are a very large participant, and it's a good thing. It's it's the bigger the movement, the the more room there is for everybody. But we definitely want to be remembered as one of the first or the first to kind of create this whole thing. And the final question I want to ask you: Will you ever? Will Celsius ever, ever, ever have a big, huge? HQ office someplace on Wall Street or one of those big, huge bank buildings. Do you think you'll ever do that? So normally, and, and you can look it up, uh, uh, th there was this research done by, by, I think it was McKinsey, that said that any company that built a giant tower and put their name on it, that was usually the year or, or, or a year after that would be the, 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 the best year they've ever had. It's all downhill from there. So we're definitely not planning to have a big tower with our name on it because that would be against the principles of Celsius. But what we're all about is giving 80% of what to create back to our community.
right? Every Monday we pay interest to half a million people. We paid over $300 million worth of interest. And our average customer is a single mom, a, a retired person, a college uh, student who don't have a lot. They're entrusting us with their life savings. We aggregate all of that and we have a giant pool and we behave like a, like a big shot. But really what our job is, is to extract as much out of the institutions and deliver 80% of that up to 80% to our community. And we do that better than anybody else. Brilliant. So no big, no big headquarters. No, no big headquarters, no big glass domes and uh, window Mashinsky across a big, huge uh, uh, tower block. No, I'm, well, I'm glad, I'm glad. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. That's been amazing. Thank you. And I'm delighted to have finally caught up with you, Alex. Thank you indeed for your time. Thanks for having me.